The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Good God, y'all. Oof. Protest. Protest. We are the Trilogy Podcast. We are indeed. My name is Scott. And I'm Vin. And this is the only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogies. We're talking legit trilogies only here, folks, okay? No reboots, no straight to cables, all right? We're bringing you facts, trivia, debate, and more. To hell with the movie. If they made four. To hell with it, Scott. Yes. Did I say, Sir. Did you did you hear me say nom a second ago? Nom? Nom. Are you having a nom flashback? I'm, just I'm always having a flashback to nom when I'm nom. on the air. No. The old days. This song. War. 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 What is it good for? Well, you know? it's, it's good for another episode of this show. We should probably mention the trilogy we're doing because otherwise, what's this process for? Yes. What's the purpose of this? It would be confusing if we didn't. All right, and so it's going to be... The Rush Hour Trilogy. The Rush Hour Trilogy. Yeah, a little triple dose of Jackie Chan for you. And Chris Tucker. Yeah, he is there too. Yeah, you know what? Sure. A lot of people probably forget about this movie. It's not exactly a movie that jumps right to your mind when you say trilogy. And, and no, no, I don't think so. Because you know, people forget, I'm sure most people, like I did, only saw the first two. Yeah. Until recently. I've only yeah. just recently watched the third one. Well, they one, beat so. the first couple to death on cable, I want to say, but I don't remember yeah. seeing the third one on cable at all. I don't remember no. really seeing it on TV. It's not, you know. It but then really... we watched it, and now we know why. Of course we do, Scott. <laughs> but let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, no. Just, let's not get crazy. Just here. a little tease. Just a little tease. A little taste. A little taste. A little taste. Ew. <laughs> don't do a little bunny eating a carrot sound effect. It's more like a squirrel, like a... <laughs> Scott, before we go any further, we should probably uh, have Trilogy Bot weigh in and remind the world what kind of trilogy this is. Yes, because we're, we're, we're returning to uh, another category we have done before. We covered this category one other time before when we did Men in Black. And so here it is. Rush Hour is a two-to-tango trilogy. These movies focus on the adventures and relationship of two guys, wise cracking their way through a battle against evil. Hey, dicks, I tangoed with your mothers last night. They let me lead. Hard. Now, what the fuck? What was that supposed all, all to right, mean? All right, Are you kidding me? All right, now. Now, calm down. You I, you know how he is. You know this is... Just, I feel like Chris Tucker felt in the second rush hour when he got to Hong Kong and he just wanted to meet, meet some ladies. Just wanted and, to have a good time. And Lee's dragging him all over the place. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I'm talking about plot stuff, and that's your department, Scott. That is my department. That's your world. And before we get into the details, the minutia of Ooh, the minutia of this particular trilogy, of the Rush Hour trilogy, you have to break down the plots for us. I have to. You have to do it. It's a must. Please do it. And I will. And damn it, Scott, don't be specific. I refuse don't to be specific. Don't be specific. I won't. I'll be as... Vague as I can possibly be. And I won't make a big fuss. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right. Spoilers ahead, obviously. Obviously. And as always, I like to mention, you probably should have watched the movies, but if not, hey, enjoy. These won't be hard to follow. No. No. They're pretty uh, similar. So here we go with, uh, of course, Rush Hour. 
The daughter of a Chinese ambassador is kidnapped in Los Angeles, and the ambassador calls in his top Chinese cop. But when the FBI takes over, they assign an unorthodox streetwise L.A. cop to keep the Chinese cop out of the way of their investigation. Although the two cops are from different worlds, they work through their differences and decide to solve the case themselves. This whole movie is about different worlds. Yeah. I feel like they use Colliding the expression different worlds. It's, it's, and it's such bullshit, too. Well, <laughs> it's about different worlds, Scott. It's well, like you and I. we'll get into it more later, but I have... Um, Go ahead. Here we go. Using the L.A. cops' street informants, they're able to catch the kidnapper, and they decide to vacation in China together. Mm. That's rush hour. Oh, oh, oh that, that's the, that's the end. That's the end. Of you the just movie. went right to it. Oh yeah. Oh, I these these to me are so they, Very so fast. many things so not worth mentioning. Very fast that happen in these. All right. Also, you got to remember a good portion of these movies are fight scenes. That's true, especially the first. So movie. it's pretty much like you know halfway through, I'm like, what? Why are they here again? I don't remember. The cause... first one by far has the most simple plot. There's no question about it. Yeah. So I'm sure the second one's going to be a little more detailed. So. A little bit more. It is actually a little more. I know. Go ahead. Yeah. <clears throat> so here we go. Rush Hour 2. The L.A. cop and the Chinese cop arrive in China for vacation. When the Chinese cop is assigned to track down the leader of the triads who killed the Chinese cop's father. They track the triad leader to his yacht where he is killed <laughs> by a rival triad woman. Everyone connected in the small country of China. Yeah. Everyone seems to know each other in the tiny little nation of China. China. Jackie Chan related to everyone in some way here in China. <laughs> the two cops then travel back to LA to chase down a rich American who is suspected to be making counterfeit US bills with the triads. There they meet an undercover secret service agent who is also investigating the rich American. The two cops get caught by the triads and are brought to a Las Vegas casino where they discover the rich American has been laundering his counterfeit bills. Goodness. When they go to confront the rich American, it is revealed that the triad leader is not dead. With the help of the Secret Service agent, they are able to defeat the triads and the two cops follow the Secret Service agent back to New York. Hmm. All right. Here's Rush Hour 3. All right. It is three years later, and the L.A. cop is now working as a traffic cop. And the Chinese cop is the personal bodyguard to the Chinese ambassador from the first movie, who is going to make a very big announcement about the Chinese mob when an attempt on his life is made. The Chinese cop goes after the would-be assassin, only to discover that he is a man who the Chinese cop grew up with in an orphanage. And he is unable to bring him in. Yeah. Moral. Yeah. Feelings and stuff. Right. Do your job. Oh, please. You weren't saying that about Batman a week ago. <laughs> How dare you? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, he would have brought him in. He wouldn't have killed you him. You want Jackie Chan to shoot people down. He's not allowed to <laughs> no, be moral. No, I'm glad he didn't shoot someone right, down because he's right. Jackie. It would spoil how I feel about Jackie Chan. You, you have that strong an opinion about Jackie Chan? I love Jackie Chan. Who doesn't love Jackie Chan? There's very little that Jackie Chan could do that would really change any opinion I have of Jackie Chan. It's yeah. so not weighed down in my conscience or soul. Uh, 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 he's unable to bring him in. The two cops then travel to Paris, 
where a woman who has been working with the Chinese ambassador is in danger, as she has a secret list of the major heads of the triads. With the help of a French cabbie, they're able to rescue the French woman, and the L.A. cop bangs her. <laughs> but then, the ambassador's daughter gets kidnapped. Again. And the Chinese cop's orphan brother tells him he will exchange her for the French woman at the Eiffel Tower. The Chinese cop and the orphan brother start sword fighting, and in the end, the orphan brother falls to his death. Once again, the two mismatched cops save the day. Boy, a tear trickled down my cheek as I saw them march away into the distance. Wall, what is yeah, they it? Brought it back. They there. bring it back. He yeah. didn't have sex with oh. her though. That wasn't consummated. They didn't bang. No. Oh, they banged. I Come thought. On, no, no way. It was broken up by the oh, assassination yeah. attempt. What are you talking about? The assassination Come attempt. Come on. So we talk about these movies, baby. We're talking Rush Hour in '98, Rush Hour Two in 2001, Rush Hour Three in 2007. Yeah. It really feels like Rush Hour 3 was the most tacked on. Oh, absolutely. Especially because they try to tell you it's only been three years. Yeah. So if you think about it, that means the third movie takes place in 2002. Right. Makes no sense. Because the the second one is literally like three days after the first one. Mm -hmm. Like they've been in China for a couple of days and he's bitching about it. You know what I mean? Right. But immediately they're like, yeah, it's three years later. I'm like, you guys look so much older than three years three later. Years and we later. have no real relationship in all this time. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll hardly. And all that New York thing. Just forget about it. I was going to mention that when we get to the movie, we'll talk about it. But they just blew that plot point away immediately. And they used a piece Absolutely. of dialogue to justify the fact they tried to do the same thing. They tried to make it continuous. Because it had been too long. Because you're like, how are you going to. You can't be like, oh, and the next day they're six years older. Like. <laughs> Chris Tucker's got to like come off the plane and be like, "Damn, I feel bloated from the from the food yeah. on the plane." Well, I've Mr. Just... Carter. Excuse me. Oh, thank you so much. It's the kosher meal. It's it's a buddy comedy, buddy action comedy. All right, culture clash. But really, it's Chris Tucker clashing against the Asian culture. Yeah. You have the one scene where they go into the bar, and Jackie Chan says, "What's up, my nigga?" To the guy, yeah, yeah, and it yeah, starts yeah. a whole fight. So that kind of, I guess counterbalances all the brash anti-Asian yeah, shit. just that... straight racism throughout most But you of know what? In the first movie, I can make it work in my mind because it's not, it doesn't feel mean-spirited and it seems like Chris Tucker gains an appreciation for, for, for China. Yeah. This place is off the hook. I love Hong Kong. Before we get into the, the main characters, because really it's only those two guys that we can talk about in sure. terms of, you know, going through all three uh, films. We do have the same director for all three films. That's right. One Mr. Brett, I might be a rapist, Ratner. I think that's a name you're giving him. I'm not sure that's a that's a sober That's not his god-given name, I don't think. This kind of is was his best film, the first film. And it's yes. kind of where he peaked as a director. He didn't really he hasn't directed a ton of movies. No, um, but most of them are garbage, the ones he's done. They're not great, okay? They're really pretty awful. X-Men Last Stand. Which is, I, I think, terrible. Tower Heist, most recently, which was kind of a bomb. I saw it. It oh, wasn't very good. That. Red Dragon. I didn't really like that at all. I didn't such love it. Such a great cast, and I thought it was such a But I didn't movie. hate it either. I didn't. It was just... It just was very bleh. I and I think like that's his level of skill. In the first movie here... He kind of lets Chris Tucker go a little bit. Yeah. He's a little looser, a little freer, and as a result, the movie's better. As he's gone on in Hollywood, and as I've seen his movies, 
they become more overly polished, overly produced, yeah. sanitized, yeah. you know, very plastic looking. And so they've lost any edge. Right. Um, any any cool that they have. Lost their luster a Listen, little bit. Scott, are you ready for me to give you a list of some of the movies? Not that he's directed, because we just covered those. It's not that many, frankly. Some of the movies that he's produced, yeah. it'll just kind of give you a sense of not only the fact that he's a boorish bad guy from a human perspective, but that he's also a lazy artist. Double Take, starring Eddie Griffin, where he plays, a, I believe, a twin of himself. Oh, yeah. Remember that? There's a movie starring Goldberg from the world of wrestling, where he plays a a killer, and the name of the movie is Santa's Slay, S-L-A-Y, where he's a Santa, he's a killer dressed as Santa Claus, I believe. That's terrible that's just from what the picture and the title told me but that's all i need to know See, i thought you were gonna say goldberg from like mighty ducks my mother would not approve this coach she'd like me to lift to be bar mitzvah all right running scared a movie starring paul walker that i'd never heard oh of. that movie sucks all right oh i hated that a remake of the horror movie mother's day another horror of a movie called jersey boys which is definitely horrible unless you're 75 years old. And of course, Codename The Cleaner, that Cedric the Entertainer movie where oh he plays God, a spy. I, that It sounds like you made that one up. I didn't make that up. <laughs> like, I feel like there might be two of these that you just straight up so made So these up. are all movies he produced. And if you look at the other movies on that list, it's not they're all movies you haven't heard of. Those are yeah. basically the ones you've heard of that I yeah. said. So those are pretty horrifying. Santa? Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. So that was the first thing. And then, of course, you mentioned it before, the whole Me Too movement. Really, he's one of the villains of the movement, one of the worst offenders, because he's actually been accused of rape. Right. Apparently, Ellen Page accused him of outing her on the set of... Yes, I read that, of X-Men 3. On X-Men. And there's different little things. There was that whole controversy with the Academy Awards. Do you remember that? No. Oh, Okay. No, I don't research here. Remember 2011, originally Eddie Murphy was supposed to host the Academy Awards. It was going to be produced by Brett Ratner. Ratner said publicly, or it got out there in the world of the internet, that rehearsal was for fags or rehearsal was faggy or something. Wow. Because of all the backlash, he was forced to, um, you know, give up the production job, the producing job. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy went with him because he was connected through Tower Heights. Right. And Billy Crystal wound up doing it. And I believe that was the last year that Billy Crystal did it. Yeah. So that was that was Ratner's first sort of asshole-ish. Yeah. I want I, the word boorish pops to mind constantly with him. Just boorish, slovenly. You look at him. Yeah. He's a sloppy piece of shit. And he's just kind of like, yeah. he doesn't care that he says the wrong thing and acts the wrong way. And, and Well, because, I mean, we're going to be analyzing it further in these films because there's like some things that, once you hear about this kind of stuff, when you're watching the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. He's okay. a garbage person, I think, is what we can <laughs> sum it up here. And now, Michael Jackson, you I know you're a friend of Michael Jackson's. Yeah. Did you meet him from a music video? Uh, no, no, I met him, God, when I was the, did the first Rush Hour, and that's a long, crazy story, but... People, you know, don't really know Michael as well as I did, really. And I, Most I people don't. All three of these movies made money. The second one made the most amount of money. And the first two were well-reviewed. The third one was very, very poorly reviewed. Mm. It's important to know that. Yeah. But they were all um, big money makers. And as we talked about before, made Brett Ratner's career. 
They sure. set up his relationship with Warner Brothers, which is now gone because of the whole Me Too issue. Right. Um, and his own production company all came from the success of these three films. Right. Starring Jackie Chan. I don't know. I don't want to get into his whole Hong Kong world except to say that he got a start um, as a stuntman. And he specialized in that sort of comedy yeah. role, that comedy action role. Yeah. I always find his fight choreography uses more of the environment. That's the whole thing. That's his whole yeah. gimmick. Yeah. And that brings the comedy a lot of the time. Right. Like, but it's definitely an exaggeration. No sure, one is. Because there's some moments you're like, well, you didn't need to do that. You didn't need to roll the chair up and back and down. That's crazy. Right. But you're showing off now. But <laughs> Now you're just showing off. <laughs> but I'm liking it. Jackie Chan's first strike. Rumble in the Bronx as well. Yep. Um, and then the Drunken Master series is was another thing he's famous for. Uh, my personal favorites of his was uh, I always loved Operation Condor. And then there's uh, Jackie Chan's Who Am I? Yeah, I've, I've heard of that before. That one is really good. He like it's it's ridiculous, but he uh, loses his memory and like the whole time he's fighting to find out who he is. And then Scott, it's also worth mentioning that once these movies, these rush hour films made him recognizable, and right. famous in America, we had him do um, the Shanghai movies. Shanghai Noon, Shanghai, Shanghai Noon, and Shanghai Night. Yeah. Another one that could have easily been a trilogy. Thank God point. it's not. Yeah, I'm glad it's not. I can only imagine. I haven't seen either movie of you. I saw the first one. I just feel and like I, it's... I really... Some, Owen Wilson can be very grating on me sometimes. Yeah, I know you don't like him. No, I don't care for him. Sometimes um, he's okay. He also did the t- tuxedo. I like the tuxedo. tuxedo. It's ridiculously stupid, but... Well, the whole thing is that he drives like a, a spy, like a James Bond type. Right. And it turns out the only reason he's James Bond is because the tuxedo itself has the powers, and which is ridiculous because like you see him earlier and he can't defend himself, and then he gets the suit and he's Jackie Chan. And he does a whole thing with um, where he's James Brown in it. Fucking hilarious, right? And when he knocks James Brown out, that's my favorite part of the movie (laughs) because they do this great like he turns around like the suit just like hits him, yeah, and he goes spinning, and James Brown they throw in a typical. <laughs> like a James Brown like scream right. in it, and it's clearly a thrown in sound. He didn't do that live, right. but like it's so fucking funny. I don't know why. Like that moment is remember, my favorite. I, of the just, movie. I know it a little bit. Yeah. Hitman. Oh no. You're fast, but I'm faster. Uh, the villain in the tuxedo, I happen to know, is also trying to corrupt the water supply um, of the world. Yeah. In with like those bugs or strider something. bugs yeah water striders right which doesn't make sense i happen to read that they don't have a queen so his whole thing about capturing the queen it doesn't work that way with those bugs so it's yeah. all bullshit and tuxedos don't make you stronger either that's another i'm not willing to go there scott <laughs> tuxedo mask he's so mysterious <gasps> maybe he wants to take me out for a hot fudge sunday <laughs> you start talking to me about chris tucker in some way scott i know you have some way to chris tucker He's I mean, the, uh, the the only thing I would say about Chris Tucker is he's in uh, one of my favorite movies, which is The Fifth Element. I love The Fifth <laughs> I can't Element. can't believe you just said that. I clearly thought you were leading up to saying the word Friday, which is obviously his best movie and what he's famous no. for. And you went with The Fifth Element, where he's dressed uh, in you, that ridiculous... You're acting like I'm like a, some sort of Chris Tucker fucking fanboy over here. Well, you just mentioned the other... He's The whole point with Chris Tucker is that he hasn't been in very many movies. Right. So we're going to cover Chris in a huge way when we do the Friday trilogy. No question. We're going to kind of split right, it. But I've like almost seen almost none of those movies. All right, Scott. But I'm just trying to say that I would, I would I just thought you were going to say Friday because that's kind of what he's most famous for. Sure, but it's not my favorite. All right, Scott. I'm not saying it was. I'm saying I just expected you to say 
fucking Friday. I'm not judging you for it. God, uh-huh. don't be so sensitive. Although I can come across as accusatory sometimes. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it's with your past history. All I mean. right. <laughs> Just the past history of Batman. Enough. Don't let that bleed over into this podcast. <laughs> um, he was also in Jackie Brown. And um, he was in recently the Silver Linings playbook. He came back and, you know, because he hadn't done movies for a long time. This guy I basically. I remember him in that. In what? In Silver Linings playbook. He's a small role where he's friends. I didn't see the Silver Linings playbook, but I believe he's friends with, um, what's his name? Bradley Cooper. Yeah. These movies made him extremely rich, this trilogy. And he basically stopped doing films after that. Yeah. Also, it's important to note that this guy found God and was born again right after Money Talks, which was in 97. With Charlie Sheen. Right. So after 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 spending a film with Charlie Sheen, he had to <laughs> go and find God. Lord only knows what the two of them did together up until that point. Yeah. Um. So that really actually impacted how different parts of, of this trilogy was filmed and why he wasn't in the other Friday film, which I right. found extremely, which is, to me was, is very sort of hypocritical and shows a real lack of self-awareness on his part because the character of Smokey, to me, was a morally, not a morally bad character right. in Friday. So I don't think that to, there's any reason to refuse to do the other two films on, yeah. on the grounds of some sort of, you know, morality. Yeah. You know, I think he's well, a Wasn't there character. some issue with these movies too, that like the third movie didn't get made for so long, I think because he demanded like script approval. He demanded a certain amount of money or as well. Yeah. And too. they were he like, got a percentage no way, dude. Like yeah. you're not, it's not that important. Like we made money on it, but you were going to, you know, not make money if we have to pay you this amount and give you script approval. Who are you? You're fucking Chris Tucker. Just relax. Well, I can tell you that in the in the one in the second movie, he refused to. He has got this. He has this deep uh, relationship with Michael Jackson. So, like, yeah. he was at the funeral. He introduced him at the Michael Jackson 30th anniversary show. Yeah, and they play that up in these movies quite a bit. He's in the Rock My World video. Oh, really? Yeah. So the idea is he refused to do a uh, Michael Jackson impression in the second film in the karaoke bar. Yeah. And they lied to him and told him the camera was off. And then really? they got him to do it, and then the camera was on, and they, they kept it in. So. Kind of fucked up. You know what? I respect Ratner for that. I'm not going to lie to you. All right. I may not like him, but I think that's cool. That's I, I would shitty. do that. I would do that because, you know what? Give me a break. You won't do a Michael Jackson impression. You're famous for it, man. In yeah. fact, you did it in the first movie and did a whole big thing about it in the first movie. Yeah. And in Friday, you did it. And you're famous for it. Yeah. So don't cop out now and say the reason you're not going to do it is because of respect for Michael. Say, I'm not going to do it because it's hacky, and I've done it yeah. a bunch of times now. It's also kind of stupid to fall for that of like, no, just do it, and we won't turn the cameras on. Like, <laughs> yeah. then why would I do it at all? <laughs> exactly right. Like, what? <laughs> it makes no sense. Oh, and I can tell you as well. Also, in the second movie, at the end, when he... Uh, Fights has to fight the girl, fight the woman. Yeah. And just from sheer luck, knocks her out or whatever. Yeah. He stands over her and he says, We could have been a good couple. We could have had something special. But you one crazy ass bitch. Originally, Ratner couldn't get him to say bitch there and had to beg him over the course of an entire day to say it and then it would work in the scene. They couldn't they couldn't figure out exactly what he should say to kind of cap the scene. Yeah. And eventually Ratner, Ratner <laughs> convinced him to say bitch after... A day of, yeah. you know, 
working on them. So again, that gives you there's your one of your little hints right there. Yeah, feeds into the into uh, the whole Ratner world. Yeah, all right, and what he's about. And, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you, we had a couple of examples. There was one right there, so I yeah. kind of took it out of the film, but yeah, um, there's other, oh, there's plenty more. And of course, so that that obviously the whole thing with Tucker makes him a trilogy superstar as well. Friday. Yeah. Um. So we're looking at two trilogy superstars here. Scott, are you ready to rock into these films? I am. All right, let's do the first one. No problem. Just rush hour. I'd like to start off with something I found interesting. So I was looking at Wikipedia, and uh, I was looking at their plot breakdown of rush hour, and they mentioned that it's the last day of British rule in China. Don't tell me about China. I know China. Funny you should mention that moment of historical significance, Scott, because I was going to mention Chris Penn and how robust he always looks in a film. <laughs> Chris Penn, man. He should just have a sandwich in his hand. I miss, that guy. Like, I miss I miss how much he bloviates all the time. Yeah. I yeah. always liked him. No, he's great. But like it's also like it's just Chris Penn walking in like, yeah, whatever, man. I don't really give a shit. Like you gotta love him in best of the best. He is fantastic as Travis the Cowboy. Tom Wilkinson, trilogy superstar. Tom Wilkinson, I think I have him down Do here. Do you have Tom Wilkinson down there? I don't have him down, but I remember Tom saying, Wilkinson. All right, well done. Actually, back to back Tom Wilkinson because he was uh, Carmine Falcone oh. in the first Batman, The Batman Begins. Well done, Scott. Yeah. I'd also like to mention it's always great to see Detective Bookman from Seinfeld in any movie. And he played the captain. Oh, yes. I don't judge a man by the length of his hair or the kind of music he listens to. Rock was never my bag. But you put on a pair of shoes when you walk into the New York Public Library, fella. So there's a lot of cool characters in this film. Interesting characters. Yeah. Um, and I like the setup. I like that both of these guys aren't supposed to be solving the case. That they're both considered a joke. But I think, I actually think, like, the, the plot line of, like, we need the shittiest L.A. cop you have to babysit this top cop who could probably solve the crime. No fucking problem. Like, immediately, if we just let him. Yeah, I don't like. Understand. Why? I never understood why they didn't just let him have... This whole movie is showcasing I that he's obviously... I can understand why they didn't respect Carter, but why wouldn't they respect Lee? Right. It's like it's like telling Liam Neeson and Taken, like, no, we're good, we don't need you, and having someone try to babysit him. Like, right. no, I'm, I'm a fucking weapon. Just send me and I'll take care of it. Like the, the idea is that they're sticking him with Carter while they solve the case. Yeah. But at the same time, there's so many instances in all three of these movies where they should have just let someone else solve the case and do yeah. some work that they only complicate and make matters more difficult. Yeah. And the complication is almost always Chris Tucker doing something stupid. Yeah. Always. Always screwing up. Lee walks in with a plan. Chris Tucker starts ranting and raving, ruins the plan immediately. And, it's yeah, a fight scene. And just starts calling out like, we're cops. Now, in the first <laughs> movie, it's cute. It's funny. It's new. It's original. Yeah. As this trilogy plays yeah. itself out, you get to a point where you're like, it, it, honestly, I think it becomes a convenient plot thing to be like, yeah. all right. And then at this point, because we don't know how to transition to the end of this movie, um, we're just going to have Chris come in and yell that they're like cops. Absolutely. And that, that it's, Absolutely. The jig is up. And That's a really good point. It is definitely in the second one because you're like, eh, what? Yeah, very <laughs> slick. You know what, Scott? As silly as the character is, Chris Tucker is funny in this movie. Most of his humor is just telling people who they ain't and who he ain't. You know what I mean? It's it's just like, what? Are you crazy? I ain't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I ain't Carl Lewis. Who do you think you got? Chelsea Clinton? Like, it's always like challenging what truth is. Like every second, like, 
no, you're not. And then giving an example of like, who well, who do you think you are? This you, guy? You know, that is a great example, but he also does this. He also does a conspiratorial thing. It's like, now listen, we gonna do this. You and me, we're gonna go and do this together. We forget <laughs> yeah. about them. Oh, damn, we can go and do this shit together. Come on, me and you. Yeah. That's something he does in all of his movies as well. Yeah. And again, his that never really works out. It's always And it's great, but he's facially a, yeah. he's very funny. But it's always um, like a precursor to a fight scene. You're like, well, you know, he's not going to be able to negotiate well, his way out of this one. <laughs> it comes know, down like, to his, his word saying one thing and his face doing another thing. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. And he, he's able to do it in a very effortless way, especially in this first movie. And I'm really only talking about the first movie. Yeah. Because I think this changes in the other movies. His ability to do this changes in the other movies. Yeah. I mean, he's really, I mean, he's at his top of his game, I think, in the first movie. The movie, first movie's great. You know, I went through a whole period early in the trilogy podcast where I felt like a lot of movies were mirroring the running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I don't want you to think that I'm all about the golden child now, but this movie really feels in a lot of ways like the same culture clash that Eddie Murphy went through in the golden child from that perspective of a cool black guy in a situation with Asians and he's unfamiliar with them. Right. To react over the top. Sort of a fish out of water. Fish out of water story. for sure. And we thank you all, the people of Nepal. We thank you. You're a bunch of beautiful, brilliant people. Nepal! Go. Uh, I think that uh, that pool hall scene, Great I said, scene. it's just a, a fight choreography fucking master. Love it when you're watching it. Like, awesome scene. Out of all the other fight scenes, too. Like, I was, because I even thought, I'm like, oh, that was great, but it's been a while since I watched a Jackie Chan movie. Maybe the next one will be. And they're all good for the most part. Yeah. But that one is just like a fucking brawl. Very it's, cool. It was very good. I'm on vacation, man, and I want some mushu. And why is he acting like he's never too. eaten Chinese food before? <laughs> he's like, mm, oh, what is this? This is just all grease and greasy. And come on, dude, you've had Chinese food. You can't. Th- that's where it gets a little too much yeah, for me. I like, even thought of that. Why is he acting like right. he's never had Chinese? Eel? What's eel? You don't know what an eel is. It's like a water snake. That's what, all you no need to know. No one just pops eel for the first time in their mouth and instantly likes it. That is an yeah. acquired taste. It is a smoky tasting fish. That's like a leap where I'm like, oh. all right, their worlds aren't that far <laughs> apart that they've he's never heard of Chinese food. Wipe yourself off, man. You dead. There's a lot of scenes in these movies of him talking to dead people after he's <laughs> killed them. Chris Tucker. Like, he just, yeah. Well, afterwards, too, he knocks that girl. I think the girl gets killed at the yeah. end of the second one. Well, she's not killed. She's knocked out. But he says that whole thing. Yeah. calls her a crazy bitch. And I'm like, stop talking to dead that's people. part of his bragging thing. Yeah. And it's a throwback to Friday when he's like, you got knocked the fuck out. Oh, It's him yeah. standing over somebody and making a, you know, a proclamation. It's the yeah. same idea. So... There's a Chris Tucker routine that works. It works in this film. I know that ain't the bomb. Take that bomb away from me. For me, this is a great combination of fights and wisecracks. Jackie Chan is great at fighting, but not great verbally. Right. Chris Tucker is great verbally, but is not good at fighting. And if the other two films anywhere as good as this film, I'm sure we're going to have a successful trilogy, right, Scott? I mean, we should. Should be no problem at all, right? I don't think so. So let's I mean. jump into Rush Hour 2 because I'm sure it's going to be just as good as this really, really fun movie. I'm not your brother. All the stuff we've been through. Rush Hour 1, Rush Hour 2. Not as good. Not as good, Scott. No. Not really as good. No. Uh, it, it's extremely convoluted. 
the whole movie. The whole plot is unnecessarily complex. Yeah. Whereas in the first movie, you have a simple plot. Daughter kidnapped. That's basic. You hang a lot of fun stuff on that. Right. Here, the whole movie's a plot. So yeah. guess what? There's no time at all for Chris Tucker to do anything funny. The funny is removed from it. It's Chris Tucker reading lines. Yeah. And this one, Chris Tucker basically, instead of just having one man to react to, has a whole country to react to in the beginning. Right. In the beginning, he's, you know, he's a stranger right. in a strange land. I also have, of course, him doing another Michael Jackson thing within the first five of minutes. Of course. Uh, he says, uh, he's like, oh, I'm Michael Jackson. You're Toto. And he was like, Tito. Toto is what we ate for dinner last night. <laughs> yeah, see, that sounds like a written comedy line. Yeah. It doesn't like, sound... Toto? Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Why couldn't Lee just take a week off when he got there? It just had has rescued this guy's daughter. Right. His friend is visiting now. Take the week off. Yeah. Why are you driving around making him? See, that's what I don't understand. While you're working, because by that point they mentioned like he's he's already been working, right? So like then when he gets the call with the where it's you know Ricky Tan or whatever, and it's his, it has something to do with his father. You're oh. like, oh, that I would understand. But right. why are you have him already yeah. working? They should be like, you know, out. yeah, Doing parasailing or something. And then he gets the call and they're like, I got to go. Like, <laughs> Did you say parasailing? I don't know. They're I on vacation. That that's something I, you do in Hong Kong. Well, maybe you could. Who knows? I'm sure you could, but I just. Well, there's probably the pollution, though. So, well, you'd makes, be like. <laughs> but it probably makes the sunsets beautiful. Yeah, man. I'm just saying. I, wrote I don't down know. Here, I've never been. I wrote down. Carter is an awful cop. <laughs> just confronting yeah. everyone brashly with no sense of the danger that he's ever in. Yeah. Why would Lee trust him for at, for a second at any point in time? Yeah. Suddenly, though, in this movie, he's a great fighter and can hold his own with triads, with He progressively gets artists. better, and I think it must just be from being around Jackie Chan. Well, but though he mentions in the third movie that he's been taking some karate. Yeah, and that's he's the most active in that. I guess yeah. that was probably something Chris Tucker was like, I want to get involved a little more with the fight and not just be such like a weakling. But listen, these the fights in this movie were, were, were cool. But that's that's the thing is with Jack Jackie Chan's always gonna bring it, right? So I feel like any of these movies, like they all had pretty tight fight choreography. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes the comedy's a little bit lacking in sections. Um, you know, it is funny though that he buys the chicken. After he is talking to that woman about the chicken. Yeah. And he's yelling at her and trying to find directions. And instead, right. she's ready to kill a chicken right in front of him. Yeah. And the next shot, he's got the chicken in the cage. And that's a funny little game. Yeah. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. lie. I thought that was kind of funny. Pretty funny. But see, that's him like actually interacting with the culture and stuff instead of yeah. just being like, I'm here. Like, <laughs> and I'm a cop. Let me insult you because you're different. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is your home, but it sucks. <laughs> Oh, also, Alan King, who plays... Love Alan King. Stephen Rain. This is the fourth movie where we had a Trump-esque character. In Back to the Future, the Biff Future character. Yep. In Oceans, the Pacino, Pacino. character. In Purge, that weird future government had yeah. Trump-esque things going on. Oh, yeah. The fourth movie where he's this, this iconic villain this industrialist business villain did you hear the other day the 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 trump's new uh slogan for the next campaign is keep america great and that's the tagline for purge election year no yep john cheadle in don cheadle trilogy superstar Superstar. i wrote it jeremy piven another uh both you know cameo and me too 
celebrity. Listen, you have nothing to worry about, okay? Because I'm going to turn you two into the bell of the ball. Do we need three bad guys in this movie? I know. It goes on and on and on. We're like, oh, bait and switch. He's but the bad guy. I do respect the fact the that Chris uh, Tucker says the white guy, the old white guy is always who you have to follow. Right. Yeah, in these movies you do. Every goddamn time. Every time. Except that one, actually. Because, <laughs> yeah. right, isn't he ends up being like a patsy and then the other guy kills him? Either way, he's involved. The point right, is. Right, but the other two are like, aha, you didn't know the old white guy was involved the whole time. Right. But the second one, uh, there's a part where Jackie is crawling around on the floor of the casino while people are stampeding out of it. He would be killed. Do you know what that's reminiscent to me of? What? He's running around. He's on the floor trying right. to get the detonator, right? Right. He's getting thinking, kicked around. I'm thinking beginning of Temple of Doom when... Um, right. When what Harrison the, Ford is the on the floor trying, trying to get the antidote. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it felt like there was a lot of the same shots there, that floor level shot where yeah. he sees it in front of him and his hand goes out and a foot kicks it out of his way just in that nick of time. Maybe a Had little that, homage there. Yeah, little feeling to yeah. it. Yeah. And it's Temple of Doom 2 taking place in China. Yeah. Kind of thing. Well, he said this guy's already stealing shit from old Jackie Chan movies, yeah. so we could very easily steal it from right. a Spielberg. Anything goes. Do you have anything else for this? Uh, I do have um, one of the funniest moments for Chris Tucker, I think, is uh, when he comes upstairs and uh, it's Jackie Chan has just grabbed uh, the Ricky Tan and fucking Stephen Rain is dead on the floor. Yeah. And he walks. He's like, oh, OK, Jackie, you got this handled. You know what? I'm going to go downstairs. Like, God damn. And turns <laughs> and he's just dead on the floor. Like, sees him like just that reaction. I was like, was the funniest fucking yeah, thing he had the entire good. movie. Good point. Good point. I, I just wanted to say this. I like I think it was Jackie Chan who says to the. Spanish girl who's in the, the Secret Service. Yeah. Right? He says, I didn't know which side you're on. And I said to myself, yeah, because she made a point of obscuring that information throughout the entire movie. Right. No one knew whose side she yeah. was on. Right. It was unnecessarily complicated. Yes. Like, it wasn't a cool surprise because... Because she, she flat out tells you that she's a Secret Service, and then they're like, but is she? Like, yes. And you're like... Yes, she is. But you're beyond kind of caring. She sort of vacillates to both sides right. to a point where you're like, at this point, I don't give a shit. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll find out at the end. <laughs> if she's good or bad, whatever. We'll get there. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and then my favorite uh, outtake that they show, because the outtakes are great, oh, yeah. um, is Don Cheadle in that scene where he keeps calling him Jackie and won't call him Lee. That's right. That is funny. We'd love to see that. We'd love to see that, Jack. We... Jack, we'd like to see that. We'd like to see that. Now, Jack, we'd love to see that. Wouldn't we love to see that? His name is Lee, goddammit. Well, Lee, we would love to see that. <laughs> you can just see, like, Cheadle's a total cool professional, like, right, yeah. you know. And I had read that he um, did this month, this movie only under the condition that he could fight with Jackie Chan. Like that he oh, could really? have a fight. Could, yeah. <laughs> oh, what you said for? I don't want trouble. This was a step down for me. Because kind of the same thing, only it wasn't as funny. More complicated. Well, it was needlessly complicated. It was had fun action scenes, but just wasn't as funny. So you're taking away one of the two elements that made the first movie good. Right. You're eliminating one of the two cool things from that movie. Yeah. So for me, it was just a failure. Not horrible. It's a movie that can kind of be on in the background. You're like, whatever. Right. But it's just kind of there. Yeah. He ain't gonna be in Rush Hour 3. Whereas the third movie is almost aggressively bad. Almost bad in a way that it's saying to you, I don't want you to like me. I want you to hate me. 
Yeah. And it's, it's weird, too. It's, weird in many places. If It feels, and, and again, going to the Brett Ratner thing, this movie feels at moment like there are scenes that are just like fetishes of his. Yeah, okay. Like, I want an eight-foot-tall uh, Chinese guy to kick the shit out of me. Like, yeah. And then I want to go backstage at a fashion show and ogle all the girls and touch them inappropriately and... Like, oh, you mean uh, the part where he wants to bend a giant fat girl over a car right at the beginning, so we can see her ass in all of its He took bigness. that shot of their asses. The and actress like, is Mia Tyler, one of Steven Tyler's, Tyler's daughters. daughters. Yeah. Famous for being a plus-size model and being a pioneer in that industry. Yeah. yeah. Not only is he kind of shitting all over that, but she's really doing no favors for herself. I get that she wants to be in a movie, but she's kind of degrading herself. Right. Well, this is the thing, is that like now after him being accused of being a rapist that there all this stuff comes out that like he made people do things on set that were uncomfortable yeah. and things like that and I'm like I could see that being something that she was probably uncomfortable with but you know you're in a movie you know what I mean like at the end of the day you're like it's either be in the movie or don't be in the movie and I feel like they always have that leverage for a point where she almost kind of shoehorns a line in about how it's a gland problem that she has Right, that she's a thyroid problem, the thyroid or something problem. like that, and I was like, "That yeah, was come on, that's really." And, the, and 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 then at the end, it says, "You get the fat one." Yeah, I, I have that in quotes right here. He writes, "The fat one's yours." Like, in quotes. I mean, come I, on. I mean, I, honestly, I'm one of those people. Like when people, you know, bitch about fat shaming, sometimes I'm like, "All right, well, that's not so bad." That, like, that's flat Scott, out just. I making... love a fat joke. I'll make a fat joke. I love a fat joke. I have no problem making fun of fatitude. What I have a problem with is it wasn't. Funny. Right. It didn't justify. It, it came mean. across as mean. Yeah. And the, right in the beginning of the movie, with not just some random actress, but someone who's noted to be, you yeah. know, a pioneer in this kind of thing. Yeah. It just immediately kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I have a thyroid condition. What's that mean, thyroid? I wrote, it feels like Tucker's too old to be acting this way. Yeah. He's notably older, and he's in the street dancing, causing car accidents. He's not advanced at his career at all. Yeah. It makes sense, but at the same time, grow up, man. Yeah. The comedy, he can play that comedic persona, but just do it in a different way. Come at it from a different perspective. Yeah. Dancing in the middle of the street, enough already. I want to. I just want to mention the classic trilogy thing that they've done. Go ahead. Where they go back to the first movie with the ambassador and his mm -hmm. daughter and all that. Something that worked the first time out, of course. Yeah, of course, of course they have to bring Sue Young or whatever her name is. They do it either because they need a good movie after a weak second showing. Okay, right. so they need to bring it back to why it was good in the first place. Right. Um, or they've actually just run out of ideas. I'm no expert in guns, Scott. Yes. I'm not. But from everything that I've read about guns, the military, snipers. And then, having called my friend who's a gun guy and confirming it with him. You cannot take a sniper shot to the chest and live. Even uh, no. if it misses your heart. Uh, that's ridiculous. It will obliterate your body. These yeah. these projectiles basically take off whatever they hit. They destroy you. Yeah. I assumed he was dead. So did I. I When they said, like, he's going to make it, he's fine. It missed his heart. I'm like, how did it miss his heart? But you know, as it's the movie got like worse and worse, rifle. it didn't surprise me, though, that he was alive. I was like, of course, because in this shitty movie, right. he would be alive. Always starting wars, always killing people. Americans make me sick. What you were saying before? As soon as I saw Max von Sydow, he had not said a mm -hmm. word. Not a word had come out of his mouth. And I wrote down here, he has to be in on it, right? We'll come back to this. Yeah. Naturally, right underneath it, in different writing, sometime later I wrote, and there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. I mean, 
Come yeah. on. Was so obvious, especially because Ugh. it was part of the plot in the second one where he called it out and said, always follow the old white guy. And immediately right. Right. he shows up and you're like, come and on. Let's not kid ourselves. Max von Sydow has been incapable of playing anyone other than a villain for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. For th- and it's looked the same for 30 years, playing the same villain. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, Come I don't on. trust that guy. I just don't. What's with the enormous Asian guy? Can we get, can we get, can we start talking you about that? You mentioned him again now. Huh? You've, that's the second time you've mentioned the, enor- the enormous Asian guy. What? I, did I? Oh, yes. And his name, of course, is Sun Ming Ming. And he's the largest basketball player of all time. There are moments where he looks fake. Like, there's just moments where they cut him. I'm like, that can't be a person. This guy is like seven believe. foot, nine inches tall. Okay. He and his wife formed the largest couple on earth. I said before that he was um, the largest basketball player of all time. I don't know that that's all time. I know it's currently. But what you're saying is true because he's so big and awkward. There's no way he could be filmed really doing moves. Yeah. They so have odd camera they're angles. They're like so far shots. back when you get a full shot of yeah. him. Like It's akin to the guy from Happy Gilmore. Who couldn't even stand right, who up? Right, Jaws in the yeah. old Bond movies. Right. Yeah. Is that Richard Keel? Yes. That's two. That's far shooter. Oh, you can count. Good for you. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. That little girl is older now. Did you notice the creepy line that Chris Tucker says there? Sue so Young's here. I haven't seen her since she was ten years old. Let's go to the gift shop and get her a little teddy bear and a bra. Yes. And then when she he's like, hey, so young, so young. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm saying. It's like fucking you can watch Brett Ratner unravel. Like, I swear to God, Brett Ratner is like filming this movie with no pants the entire time. And no like, offense. Yeah. Make it uncomfortable for her. And no offense. On top of that, she walks up and it's evident she doesn't really need a bra at all. That's the least thing that that girl needs is a bra. Yeah. She doesn't need a bra. No, so the line doesn't even make sense. Not only is it offensive. Yeah. And creepy. Right. But it's, it doesn't make sense. The premise is it, it, if she was buxom, it would make sense, kind right. of at least, because well, what a change she would have. If it was gone the appropriate through. amount of years and she was like right. 19, I then mean, you could have had a whole angle where maybe her and Chris Tucker. I'm even, listen, I'm not even judging the girl's body as much as I'm judging the joke. The premise of the joke is flawed. It doesn't make sense. No. In that dojo scene with the huge guy, they go into that whole fucking who's on first. I got that. Me, my you, next me, line. you, me, you, me, you, my next me, line. fucking kill me. Like, come on. It doesn't fit the scene. It's another weird thing. <laughs> also, he says to them, like, oh, they came and took her stuff. I couldn't stop them. How about you send that huge guy? He's enormous. Just swing around and knock them out. Please. I got a big problem, man. This boy's on steroids. He got a head like Barry Bonds. Uh, so we have to, we have to get into some of the weird shit now. Oh, that that wasn't weird shit. When no, we were even about? we're getting to the thick of it now. I, right. The next few notes I have are like the Elton John thing. The <sighs> what do you get to do to make love me? Lee lashed out at Carter or whatever. And this the line of the song is, "What do I got to do to make you love me?" Yeah. How about not acting like an asshole, always making everything more difficult? Yeah. How about seeing the women of my culture as more than simply sex objects for you? <laughs> right. How about not making fun of my culture as if every part of my life is just a joke? How about that? How about I'll <laughs> love you if you act just human for one second? Yeah. Because at this point, you're just being cruel sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you're just an asshole. I mean, that's, that's... why we shouldn't have spent so much time with this character. <laughs> we shouldn't, like, there shouldn't have been this many movies. How is it possible that 
with a straight face. Lee looks at an African documentary and orders soul food. Carter watches Short Round in the Temple of Doom and yeah. orders Chinese food. These two men see each other only yeah. in broad stereotypes. Right. That's all they do. They are not friends. And representations of the types of cuisine that each other yeah. eats. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what makes them feel lonesome for the other. Not a funny joke. Not any no. special relationship. Being the token black guy and the token Asian guy. It's so strange. Yep. The whole dressing room scene. The whole him pretending to be this French costumer. He's supposed to be looking for Genevieve to save her life. And he has a little pit stop to make them all undress in front of him. Yeah. And then creepily touch them. I wrote down, whoa, asses. A lot of asses for a PG-13. Yeah, yeah. They got away with a lot. Also, again, if you want to talk about Trumpisms, there's a Trumpism for you right there. (laughs) That's a very Trumpy thing to do. That's like, let's do an extended musical moment between the two of these guys that is unattached to the plot. Right. It has nothing to do with anything. Maybe Jackie wanted to sing. Yeah, maybe. Over and over again, I try to tell myself that we... So the big climactic Eiffel Tower sequence, when when they're having the fight scene, the sword fight scene in the Eiffel Tower, and they're kind of like helicoptering around the Eiffel Tower, and like you can see them kind of like fighting... They have a lot of fucking wind effect. And I'm okay. like, it's like too much. Like, <laughs> 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 it's just, it gets fucking like nonsensical where it's like, I, re- I literally just wrote, okay, you can cool it with the wind effect. Like, that's enough. It's not that windy there it's when you're windy, up there. Scott. I've been I've been up there. Scott, it's not that windy. You don't remember how windy it gets. <laughs> and I would say that that is the only action scene really in the whole movie that yeah. climax is the only because every scene gets halted because it was like well you're not going to kill me we both know that and they're like all right i guess we'll just stop the movie for a little while and then we'll try to kill you again i'm gonna tell you though I, overall i don't hate the climax of this movie i think that this action scene starting with the sword fight going into carter fighting inside with those guys yeah much as it's unrealistic is a fun climax I yeah. thought it was. Yeah, and I, gonna, I, I, it's kind of cool to see him kick ass a little I'll bit. I'll be honest. I mean, yeah. I hate this movie, and it's awful. But this climax wasn't terrible. Should have been in a, should have been in a different movie. Yeah. It's got one thing I know for sure must be part of an inside joke, and I think is the climax to the entire Brett Ratner weird fantasy universe. Roman Polanski is in this film as the French inspector. That's Roman Polanski. Oh. Who gives them the... Who puts stuff up their butts? Yeah, the anal cavity search guy. If this, if Brett Ratner thing goes to trial, just play this movie from beginning what? to end, and I think he can be put away for can life. Can you even like, believe that? I saw Polanski, and I was... You you and I were thinking the same thing. I was like, what the fuck is, is this? Hey, man, you touch me again, you're going to owe me dinner and a movie. My butt still hurts. Didn't you have some idea with what you wanted to do with Phil this week? You're telling me, and I just kind of gave, I let you kind of control him this week, so. Uh, Yeah, so I figured, you know, in the spirit of uh, Rush Hour, how uh, every time at the end of these movies, they always show the outtakes, and those are always a really fun part of the movie. Sure. Um, Always come right at the end, and I figure, since Phil always comes right at the end, uh, maybe we'd clip together some of his outtakes from some of his previous reports that he's done. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
Hey there, friends. This is Phil, your West Coast correspondent for the Trilogy Podcast. I'm here in Roswell, looking for aliens. So uh, I found this cool garage. I'm going to explore it. Wait a second, did I just say garage? I meant spaceship. <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> I'm in Las Vegas, and I'm going to be stealing these towels from my bathroom from my suite. So here we go, stuffing these into my pants. Ow! Oh, fuck. Oh, I fucked. Oh, fuck. I forgot I left my razor wrapped in that towel. Oh, I think I may have sliced my scrotum. Ooh, that's a lot of blood. I had previously agreed to something spooky for you, but I'm staying in for Halloween, okay? And instead, I'm gonna sit back in my bathtub and watch The Bride of Frankenstein on this here laptop. <laughs> um, who did this? <laughs> Gene? Gene, was this you? Oh, Gene. I'm on a golf course, decked out in a ghillie suit, and I'm providing you moment-by-moment coverage of O.J. Simpson playing golf. And... Oh, fuck! Where the fuck did that come from? Uh, uh, hey. Can't hear anything out of my left ear. Oh. Uh-oh. Oh, there goes the vision. This is Phil Casal, West Coast correspondent for the Trilogy Podcast, signing off. How was that? We get it? Wait. Wait, what's that? I had no idea Phil was deaf in one ear. It's pretty awful. How come he never told us that? I don't know. I don't know why he didn't. The price you pay for being our West Coast correspondent. Well, here we are at the end. Here we are at the end of Rush Hour Trilogy. Scott, I'll let you go first this time. Why don't you give me your uh, ranking and tell me whether this is a successful trilogy for you, how you felt about it ultimately. Uh, it's not a successful trilogy. I'll just start there. Um, the first one's good, you know, typical trying to do it again, and it just gets more and more lackluster as it goes along. We've seen uh, this before. But unlike most trilogies, uh, the, the third movie doesn't just get lackluster. It gets real fucking weird. Yeah. Strange, strange, breaks all the rules of any of the movies before this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think... You know, I almost wanted to put three above two just because mm. it's so fucking bad that it becomes interesting. I don't know. That's um, but I think I'm going to have to go one, two, three. One, two, three. Yeah. And and unsuccessful. And unsuccessful. Yep. I'm going to basically agree with you 100%. Great first film. They yep. progressively get worse yeah. in quality, um, in writing, yeah. in performance. Yeah. And so I'm going to agree with you. Unsuccessful trilogy. One, two, three. We agree. We agree. High five from across the room. Whoop, whoop. All right. Folks, thank you so much for listening to us. After our mega long Dark Knight trilogy, we wanted to give you a break with this one. I want to also direct you to our Instagram account. It really is a great compliment to our show, as are the trill bits that go along oftentimes with the episodes that we put out. We want to give you guys as much great content as we possibly can. As the sun sets over the seas of the Pacific... Or as it rises in another time whenever you're listening to this. All right, Scott. I'm just trying to say farewell. To say farewell? (laughs) Well, East Coast girls are hip. I really dig those styles.